Well, praise the Lord and God bless you this afternoon and welcome to the Tabernacle Deliverance Sunday afternoon service. I'm Pastor Wells and I'm excited about what God is doing for us, with us, through us, and in the midst of us, regardless of all that's going on today. Yes, I say it every day, every opportunity, because it's true. Well, listen, I just want to let you know that God is in control. Because each week, something new takes place on this planet. In this country, there's always something going on. But I want you to know that God cares about you. And he's concerned about your future. He's concerned about what's going on with you, in the midst of you, and what's going on around you as well. A lot of times, People really don't know that, you know, and uh, that's something I really like to let people understand that God really knows and cares about what's going on with you. And a lot of times, um, you know, people hear that, but they really don't believe that. So today I want to talk to you about your success in life. And the topic for tonight is never fall. Bow your head for a moment. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you in the behalf of every liberal soul under the sound of my voice. Whether they're watching the broad television broadcast, whether they're watching uh, 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 YouTube, Twitter, wherever, or they listen to the podcast, I ask that you touch their lives, break every yoke in their lives, meet the needs in their lives, give them their sins. Make them free. So they can receive your full kingdom blessings and allow them to walk with you in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. It's just interesting today about life. And I I look at, you know, um, I, I get to look at a lot of different things today and see how uh, um, people are responding to things. Because, you know, you watch TV shows, movies, especially disaster flicks. I never really understood that. Uh, (laughs) People just crazy. But when you watch disaster flicks today, you know, uh, you see, uh, uh, like if it's the end of the world type of disaster flick, you see the people riding. Tearing apart the stuff, robbing everything, stealing everything. Now, it's supposed to be an end of world flight. Where are you going with a 90-inch TV, 88-inch TV? They say that all the world is going to end in several days, you know, in the movie. And what happens is that people looting and all this. they burning up cars. they burning out. Oh, they burn up everything. They're blaming the, the police, and they're blaming everybody for every problem. They're blaming everybody for what's going on around them. They're blaming them for for the world ending. In some cases, man fault in the movies. Some mad scientist created something. (laughs) Or met her with something. Or dug dug too far. But I watched a movie last night. Uh, uh, War of Tomorrow's War. It was interesting. They were so busy fighting in the future that they never took time to look at the present or the past. 
They knew that the world was going to end according to the, uh, uh, you know, the movie. That the world was going to end and the people were going to die. Everybody, the monsters, the aliens were eating everybody up. You know, one of those type of flicks. Uh, aliens are hungry. They're hungry, hungry, hungry. And eating up everybody. But the interesting thing about this movie was they were saying that from the year that uh, uh, when uh, aliens attacked, just hear me out before we get to the message. I'll never get to that message. They let the, uh, they were fighting and fighting. And uh, one of the guys in the movie, uh, one of the stars in the movie, his wife is the one that had the answer. It's amazing. All these generals and all these other big shot people, none of them had the answer. Everybody was dying. So the wife had the answer. She had the answer. Why don't you go back to where it started? Find out where, how it started there. And they were able to go back, went to some young kid from school, and they told them where, what they needed to do, and they explained it, what, certain things to them. And they were able to go there and actually find all of the aliens before they took over and killed them. So today, the message is never fall. Even though I had a message before that, I seen the movie, but it just connects in never fall. Why do I say never fall? Let's look at the scripture here. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 4 says. What's the proverb? I'm sorry. Chapter 11 and verse 14. Listen to this. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. Let me read it again. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in a multitude of counsel is their safety. <laughs> Where no counsel is in our lives, we're going to fall. Where there's no counsel being executed in our lives, we're going to fall. You got to have counselors. You got to have advice. You got to have the right type of advice because if you don't, you definitely going to fall. You definitely going to die. But this is interesting. The scripture here says where no counsel is, the people fall. That's today. Many people are falling, homes are falling, business are failing. Lack of counsel. Some businesses, they, they buy up everything. They open up 50 locations. And then they can't meet the demand. And they're not meeting the demand. They start losing business at all the locations. And some of them wind up closing. Some of them are so good at what they do, they can only have one location. Because they can't be at all the locations. That's interesting. But without counsel, people don't know which way to go. Man is designed to either lead or be led. So if there's no real, you know, but everybody can't be a, a, a chief, like when the Indians, Cowboys, and Indians, everybody can't be the chiefs. Like everybody know the story about General Custer. Let all those young people today, death. 
And one guy said, please, Mr. Custer, I don't want to die. But Custer said, no, we going to fight. And they said, we have numbers. He said, no, we can do this. How? God isn't on our side. The Indians sure ain't on our side. They're coming to get us. And they all died. A lack of counsel. Ministry failed for lack of counsel. Presidency failed for the lack of proper counsel. You gotta have the right type of people with you in order to keep you from falling. Ah, oh, come on, somebody, y'all not listening to me today. You gotta have the right type of people with you Amen. to keep you from falling. Because if you don't, you're going to fall and probably die. Why? Because there's no direction given. A man or woman of God, at some point in their ministry, they have to take time and seek out the God for direction. Because after a while, the direction and guidance that you have needs to be refreshed so you can move forward. It got you to where you're at, but you got to go forward so you don't fall. Amen. The Bible said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They mighty through God to the pulling down that strongholds and everything that goes itself against the knowledge of God. But the thing is this, the thing is this. The weapons of our warfare are not coming. They mighty through God. We got to go to God. Now we're going to fail and we're going to fall. Falling. In a multitude of counselors, there's safety because you got a number of people giving you guidance, but make sure it's the right people, just like the scripture said. Make sure it's the right type of people giving you counsel. I have counselors. Uh, most men of God I know, they have counselors that counsel with them and talk with them and give them direct, uh, not always direction, but they give them advice, their advisors and give them advice of what they should do or how, which way they take the ministry. But if they're not the right type of counselor, they're going to mislead that leader unless that leader is in tune with God. When that leader is in tune with God, he's going to listen to his advisors, he's going to hear what they have to say, and then he's going to say something like this. Well, I'm going to talk to the Lord and see what he has to say. Because he knows the Lord had the final say. That's when he seeks after God. When he seeks after God, he knows that God has the final say in what's going on with that ministry in general. So that's what he's going to do. Let's move on. Let's go now to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 35. And it reads as follows. Listen to this. And this is, this, this is the Lord Jesus speaking. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that come to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Listen to this. Listen to this again. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life, he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. That's interesting, right? 
Look at that verse. It's saying something. The Lord is saying something here. Excuse me. If you never want to fall, if you never want to hunger spiritually or physically, I'm telling you, this is true. This is what the scripture says. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Now, Christ, she just being the bread of life, means he had, you can be filled by him. If you read the scripture in the New Testament, he fed 5,000 people, he fed thousands here. Because he's a bread of life. He can feed you. I don't know if you have experienced it, but I have in my life now experienced digesting the word of God. I remember one time I was sitting in church reading the Bible, and I could actually feel myself digesting it, like if I ate some bread or a sandwich. I'm serious. I'm serious. I do. I, well, generally, I experienced that particular type of thing once in my lifetime. But I always received the word of God, but I actually felt like I had just ate something. It was really unique. But Jesus is saying here, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believe on me shall never thirst. You're never going to thirst spiritually. Your spiritual thirst will be quenched. But they do that. They do that with a, a, a Sprite, or I think a 7 out to quench your thirst. I don't know why they don't do that with Coca-Cola, but they already do it with Sprite or anything, 7 out To quench your spiritual thirst. Like this. I take this bottle of water here, those are all watching. And it quenched my thirst. Well, let me tell you why. That is ice cold. When you drink something cold, it feels nice and cool going down your throat. That's how it is with Christ quenching your thirst. It feels good going down into the belly. And water also keep you cool. That's another thing about water. Water keeps your body cool. But Jesus is saying here that you that believe on him are never thirst. You'll never fail. And you'll never fall. Falling is something that takes place when somebody either tripped, somebody pushed them, or they lost their balance. And that's in a spiritual sense. Husbands fall when they go out there and commit adultery. So do I. They go out there and commit adultery. But what happened is they fell. They fell from their marriage. And sometimes it's unrepairable once the spouse finds out about it. They, they're not accepting your explanation. They don't, they're not accepting that. It was a mistake. Uh, I, I, I was drunk. Uh, 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 she seduced me. They ain't accepting that. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life. You hungry? You really want to know? You really want to know God is welcome to Jesus. He'll fill your hunger. I'm really, I'm serious. He'll keep you from falling in a mischief. He'll keep you from falling in a cult. Satanism and all that other garbage out there for the South there. But the thing here is, you never have to fall when you have Christ at the head of your life. 
You never have to fall if you really have Jesus Christ at the head of your life. It's unique to understand when you really have Jesus Christ in your life and at the head of your life, you never, ever have to fall. Let's move on. Let's go to 2 Timothy. Amen. You never have to fall, beloved. You never have to fall. I don't know nobody in their right mind to literally go out there and fall from grace unless something is seriously wrong with them. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7. I want you to listen to this. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7 says, Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I'll read it again. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is he saying? There are people that spend their whole life researching the Bible and never come to the knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And they fall in their sins and die in their sins. Isn't that something? They're ever learning. Have you ever noticed a person that goes to college is stupid? Have you ever noticed some people that go finish high school and all this and they got GPA for what is a 4.0 GPA or something like that, 3 point, And they're the dumbest people you ever met. You're trying to figure out how can they finish and graduate because they're book smart. That's it. They're nothing else but book smart. <laughs> they're only book smart. They're not brain smart. You say, well, 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 aren't they the same thing? No, they're not. Brain smart is when you learn how to take the things you learn and put it to use. Book smart means you read the book and you can quote stuff from the book. That's like a lot of people do with the Bible, the lot of these preachers. They can quote scriptures. I have no clue what they mean. Have no clue that Jesus Christ is the living Son of God that died and rose on the day of death. I read the scripture to you, but they do not know the man. Amen. They can read the. I, I heard of a preacher that backslid. Or whether I don't, I'm not sure if he was backslid or whether he's a preacher. I know the story goes like this whenever a preacher wanted to know something, and they couldn't find it in the Bible, they went to him. He wasn't saved. This man knew the Bible backwards, forwards, and sideways. They could ask him something. He could tell them exactly where to find it. <laughs> that man had book knowledge, not brain knowledge. Never applied those scriptures to his life for eternal salvation. He fell in his sins and died. You never have to fall. I, I was shocked to read that. Actually, I read the scripture. We're gonna come up, but I was I when I read it, I've read it before, but I never read it. I've heard people quote the scripture, and I read it before a few times myself. But then it's upon that scripture that really blew me away. So the scripture says here,
ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Ever, ever, forever reading books, forever reading about the Bible, forever reading about Bible times, forever reading about God, and never get to know him. And you fall in your sin and die. <coughs> because you didn't repent of your sins. Without repentance, there's no remission of sins. All right. Everybody know who the mob is, right, mafia? Okay. If you steal from them or borrow money from them, <laughs> you better give them back their money. You better pay them whatever interest they want because there will be no restitution unless you do that. They're going to kill you behind. That's a fact. And everybody that know you say, yo, you know better than messing with tomorrow. Why are you going to take money from them? I know of a story of a, a, a man when I was a little boy that owned this apartment building down a block from my grandmother's house. And he bought money from the mob. Black mafia. He bought, he bought money from them. He even had a chauffeur. He was looking good driving around, fixed up his building. They wanted their money back. Where's my money? I don't worry about it, dude. I give it to you. What? I'm supposed to get my money today. Okay. What happened with him was his ignorance made a fool of him. They told the chauffeur, you want to live to see tomorrow? Don't get in that car. So he came out and got in the car and they killed him. Blew him away. They didn't get their money though. But that was restitution for not getting their money. They got rid of him. Restitution for being book smart is taking that and become brain smart and put those scriptures together and get saved and understand what they're saying, that you must be born again. You must repent of your sins. Mm. That's what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7. It's 7 saying, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, but yeah, you're reading it. Some of y'all go to church, the church is opening back up. Some of y'all going right back to church and still haven't been saved. You think giving all your money to the church and all your time to the church is going to save you? It will not. Don't deceive yourself. You must repent of your sins. You must be born again. You must come out of your sins. Let's move on. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. And verse 31. Verse 31 of chapter Hebrews. <laughs> chapter 10 of Hebrews and verse 31. It says, listen to this. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I'll read it again. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Why? Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You fall and die in your sin. And then you stand before God. You fall into the hands of the living God for the wrong reason. 
And then you stand before him with nobody to protect you. You don't have the protection of the blood of Christ because you never accepted him. So when you stand before God, you fall into his hands on the wrong turn. As we live and we play religious or play church, you fall into a hand of an angry God. The Bible said God is angry with the wicked all day long. That's the scripture. It says God is angry with the wicked all day long. That's something they never relate. Wicked are those that have not repented of their sin. Those that haven't surrendered their life to Jesus Christ and accept Christ as their personal savior. No, we're not robots. We're free mortal waves. We can get be saved if we want to be. We can accept Christ if we want to. It is worldly of us if we want to be saved. Look at the scripture again. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You don't want to fall in God's hands, period. You want to be able to commune and fellowship with God. You don't want to fall into his hands. You don't want to fall into the hands of the living God on bad terms. You want God to commune with you. You want God to help you. You should never, ever fall from grace. You should never, ever fall from the ability to be saved. But if you continue going the way you do, you will die in your sin. Let me pray for those watching the television broadcast right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, every liberal soul that's watching this television broadcast right now, I ask you to touch, heal, deliver, and make free. Break every yoke in their lives. Meet the needs in their lives. I thank you for saving them in Jesus' name. Those of you that's watching this broadcast, you go out and finish watching it on uh, YouTube, or you can watch it. Listen, go to uh, 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 org and listen to the rest of the message. Okay, now, <clears throat> you don't have to fall into the hands of an angry God, the living God. You don't have to do that. You don't have to fall into his hands. All you need to do is obey him. He said, I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Oh, that's a nice. But we got to follow. The scripture is clear. Falling into hands into the living God is awful. Because you become his enemy. You don't want to do that. Let's move on. Let's go to Psalm 71 real quick. Psalm 71. And it says as follows. Seventy-one and verse one. It says, "Indeed, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion." Excuse me. Indeed, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. You'll never ever go to confusion when you truly put your trust in God. You'll never fall into confusion because God is not the author of confusion at the devil. Read your Bible. 
God didn't know the confusion. So the, the psalmist is saying here, oh Lord, let me. Oh Lord. And thee, oh Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. You don't have to be in confusion. You don't have to be put into confusion. Why? Because you put your trust in the Lord. One of the most important things about living in this life that we live is putting our trust in God and allowing us to protect us. Why we walk down the street, why we drive down the highway, why we come out of our house. I remember not too long ago, uh, we had went out, me and my wife, and my mother-in-law left the door unlocked. The door was wide open. I mean wide open. My wife said, oh, thank God we in this neighborhood. Nobody come rob the house. Ah! It was God protecting the house. The robbers would break the door open if it was closed if they wanted to. But God just show us mercy and kindness and don't put us in confusion. Why? Because he kills us. He wants us to achieve what we're supposed to achieve, but we got to put our trust in him and we'll never fall. I don't care. You can have the world's best security system. <laughs> it's not stopping some of them robbers. Amen. And there was, a, there was a case some time ago that the robbers were the people who the security company. <laughs> Did you hear me? It was the security people. <laughs> But I want to say something. And what I say is true about this. You could have the most technical superior vehicle on the planet. All kind of technical knowledge and, and security system built into that car. And safety system, airbags, everything. It is God's mercy that will keep you alive in that car. I'm telling you. Amen. I know preachers beside myself that have been on a highway and they had head-on collisions. It is only God's protection that keep us from never falling that way. It is only God's protection that keep us from falling from his grace. People drive every day and they don't make it. People drive every day and they don't make it. People drive every single day and don't make it. This scripture here, listen to this. Listen to this verse. Psalm 71 and 1 says, Indeed, O Lord, do I put my trust let me never be put to confusion. Do you know driving down a highway consists of a lot of confusion? Amen. We were coming back from Delaware. The people were driving all crazy and ironic. Zipping in and out of one another. One mistake they did, but they'll kill other people with them. Amen. And that brings about a lot of confusion on the road. Why am I saying this? Because God wants you to never fall. You know what? I know another thing. A lot of kids go to school. They go to college. The parents send them off. 
expecting that child to graduate or whatever they went to college for, whether it's biology or math or whatever they went to college for. But here's what happened. They meet people. They meet people, some people that have no plans or ever graduate from college. They just want to have a good time. And they look for people that could draw into that and buy into that scam. And a lot of kids buy into it and their lives are destroyed. That's why the scripture says, Oh Lord, in thee, oh Lord, do I put my trust? Never let me be put to confusion because we're confusing it. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I can't tell what's around me when there's confusion. So the Lord will keep us out of confusion if we want to be. Let's move on. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 39. And verse 18. Listen to this. Jeremiah chapter 39 and 18 says, For I will surely deliver thee, and thou shalt not fall by the sword, but, by, but thy life shall be a prey unto thee, because thou hast put thy trust in me, saith the Lord. Let me read again. For I will surely deliver thee, and thou shalt not fall by the sword, but thy life shall be a prey for thee, for pray unto thee, because thou hast put thy trust in me, saith the Lord. See what the Lord is saying? See what happens when you put your trust in the Lord. You ain't gonna fall by the sword. You're not gonna fall by the sword. You're not gonna go down. When you put your trust in the Lord, it is his responsibility to protect you, but it's your responsibility to obey him. See that? It's a twofold thing. It's not one-sided. When you put your trust in the Lord, it is your job, it is the Lord's job to protect you, and it is your job to obey him. And that way you'll never fall. You'll never fall. You say, I see people backslide. You didn't hear what I just said that. If you put your trust in the Lord, it is the job of the Lord to keep you from falling. But you got to obey him. And you'll never fall. Backslidden people don't obey God. They walk away from him. I don't know why people think backslidden people are obeying God. They're not. They walked away. They packed their bags and they left. For whatever reason, they left. They walked out, they took flight, they went about their business. I used to hear people say, you're going to need to go back where you dropped the Lord off and pick him back up. I don't know. I wasn't with them. So I don't know where they dropped them. <laughs> Maybe they dropped them when they seen some pretty chick walking by. I don't know. But I know. They didn't have to fall. Let's move on. Let's go to First Corinthians. Chapter 10. 
Right there, Corinthians chapter 10 and verse. Oh, uh, wait, wait a second, Corinthians. I'm sorry. Uh, sometime I go, woo. Okay, here we go. Oh, hold on one second. Okay, once in a while, we got a little boogie woogie. Let me read that verse again. <clears throat> oh. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. In verse, what did I say? 30. I meant to say verse 12. I'm looking at trying to figure out what it is. Okay. Okay, let's go to verse 12. Let's go to verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Wherefore, wherefore, let him that think he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Let me read it again. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Why do you say that? Why are they saying this verse? Because don't brag about when other people fall from grace. Don't brag about when other people fall. Keep an eye on yourself as you keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes focused on the word of God. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12. Keep your eyes focused on the Lord. Don't take your eyes off the Lord and worry about what everybody else around you are doing. Least you fall. Amen. Oh, y'all ain't listening to me. You'll fall from grace when you take your eyes off the master when you start looking around about what everybody else is doing. I don't care what they're doing. I got to take care of me. I can't live for my wife. I can't live for my family. I have to live before God for me. I can lead them, but I still got to live for me. Don't take your eyes off the Lord. Please. You fall. You think you're standing on a solid foundation. Take your eyes off the Lord and you'll find out how fast you sink in sand. Take your eyes off the Lord. You think you're big and bad? I'm bad, man. I could do it on my own. Okay. But remember, when you take your eyes off the master, least you fall. But you're going to sink in sand. You're going to sink and sand, and ain't nobody going to be able to pull you out. It's funny about me preaching and teaching. Sometimes when I start uh, teaching or preaching, all of a sudden I get starving hungry. I got to drink water to kill it off. And now I can hear myself like, give me food, give me food. But man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Amen. Least we fall. We have to understand that we have to keep our eyes on God, word, and obey what it says. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I try to understand some. Why do people think that word, the word of God, is a good feeling? I don't know where, nowhere in the Bible where it says the word of God is a good feeling. I know the disciples said, Did not our hearts burn as the Lord talked with us when they heard him? I know about that, but I don't know where the word where it says the Bible is a good feeling. 
Reading the Bible is not going to make you feel good all the time because it's going to tell you about yourself. At least you fall. Fall, look, fall from the grace of God that keeps you respect. Let's move on. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 30. Somebody says, stop preaching those kind of messages. Tell us something we want to hear. Okay, you want to hear something? You're going to hell if you don't live right. <laughs> then you're going to be turned into the lake of fire with the devil and his angels. Did that make you feel good now? Proverbs chapter 10. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 30 said, The righteous shall never be moved, be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. I'll read it again. The righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inherit the earth. That's when you're righteous. That's when you live right before God. That's when you obey God. Now, I just want to say this. The same folks in some of them other countries, some of them don't have the, the freedom and ability that we do here in the United States and other free countries. And I understand that. And if this message can reach some of y'all, I pray that it encourages your heart to stand with God in the midst of all your torturing, in the midst of all the hatred, in the midst of all the bitterness. And I pray that God supply every need that you have, whether it be financial, a cup of soup, a drive down the road to get you where you gotta do, go. I pray that God step in and send his ministering angel to make a way for you and protect you as you go. I'm aware that some of y'all in other countries are Amen. going through these type of things. I'm aware, and I want God to look after you as a favor to me. Let's look at that verse again. Verse 30 of chapter 10 of Proverbs, the righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. I'm telling you, there's going to come a time when the wicked's going to be removed. This earth is going to be burnt up and God is going to bring down a new earth, a new heaven and earth. Is it going to burn this place up? You already flooded it twice. You're going to burn it up the third time according to what the scripture says. Amen. It doesn't matter. I want to tell you something, beloved. It doesn't matter what people believe. The word of God has consistently confirmed itself. No matter what people say. People say, I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in that. It don't matter. I don't believe in religion. I don't believe in religion either. I have salvation. But when you run around saying, I don't believe in God, it don't matter. Then you got people saying, I don't believe in organized religion. I don't have organized religion or organized anything. I have a fellowship, a relationship with Jesus Christ and God the Father. I don't have religion. The Bible talks about pure religion under God. So, you know, you, you got to get this right. We must 
Except Jesus Christ is our personal savior. They have nothing to do with being religious. Amen. Nothing. It has nothing to do with being religious, being black, being white, being Chinese, being Indian, being Hindu. It has nothing to do with that. The Bible said the soul that sinneth it shall die and it shall not tarry in God's sight. Your race, your enemy has nothing to do with God. You must be born again. You must repent of your sins. You must surrender your life to the Lord if you want eternal life. Nobody, I don't care what their name is, the Pope John Paul or whatever, and Pope, priest, bishop, apostles, none of them are going to heaven without Jesus Christ as their Savior. Some of the preachers here in the United States run around and act like they're God. Some of them act, say they act so foolish, like they're so stuck up and they just stuck out. God hates a proud look. Hmm. You must be born Again, you must repent of your sin. You must come out of your sin and come into Christ Jesus. Nicodemus, if you know the story in the Bible, he came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, I know thou a great teacher, but how is it possible for a man to be born again, is he going to enter into his mother womb a second time? And Jesus looking at him like he's an idiot. You mean to tell me you're a teacher of the people? You say you know the scriptures. And you say you're teaching the people the scriptures. And you don't know that part? Nicodemus look like a total idiot. Why? Because he was teaching the scriptures that he didn't know, just like I was talking about people. They know this book but they don't know the God of the book. They knew those scriptures, holy scriptures of old. Nicodemus knew all those scriptures of old, but he, for some reason, he was so stupid. He was book smart and stupid. He didn't know that Christ wasn't talking about going into his mother's womb a second time. His mother was already dead. Nicodemus' mother wasn't running around saying, Mommy, I'm coming back inside of you. Talk to me about again. No. He said, that which is born of flesh is flat, and that's what's born of spirit of spirit. Then I said, you must be born again. You got to be born of the water and of the spirit. You got to accept Christ as your personal savior and repent of your sin. Amen. And be true. You know, a lot of people have what they call uh, 25 cent repentance. Ah, oh, Lord, forgive me my sin. That's it. Like they nickel and diamond guard. <laughs> they act like they nickel and diamond and sucker and guard. Hmm. We must repent of our sin if we never want to fall and die in our sin. Look at that verse again. The righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inherit the earth. It's going to happen, beloved. It's going to happen. Whether you want it to or not, it's going to happen. You must be born again. You must come out of your sins. You must come out of your sins. 
the same way I drink this water to stay cool. You must come out of here, Sin. Let's move on. Let's go to Second Peter. Chapter 1 and verse 10. Listen to this verse. This is an extremely important verse. Wherefore, rather, brethren, given diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never what? Fall. Let me read it again. Wherefore, brethren, given diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Why do we fall? We have not made our calling and election sure. What is your election? Your election is eternal life, but you have to work out your own soul, soul salvation according to the scripture. Amen. The Bible says, search your scripture for them. You think you have eternal life. And many people have testified and realized you didn't have it. You got to make your calling, your election sure. We used to sing a song called Make Your Calling and Election Sure. Make Your Calling and Election Sure. Oh, Make Your Calling and Election Sure. We got to really make our calling and election sure. If you want eternal life, if you want peace, you know what? I, I'm, I don't pull bags over nobody's head. But in this lifetime, you're going to go through stuff. But you need the peace of God, which passes all understanding, to minister to you, to be with you in those times. This is why you got to make your calling and election before God, sure, and you'll never fall from grace. You got to be working on your salvation with your eyes focused on Christ Jesus. When you make your calling and election sure and your focus is on Christ Jesus, you'll never fall. Never, 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 never. You'll never fall from grace when you keep your eyes and your focus on Christ Jesus. You're never going to fall. But that's why the scripture, I'll read the scripture one more time. The scripture says, Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 10 says, Wherefore, rather, brethren, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Never. That's something to think about. Never. But yet people fall from grace. Why? They haven't made their calling and election sure. You got to know what you're calling it. We got to abide in our calling. I'm not going running no, uh, start no concert. No uh, gospel concert. I wasn't called to sing. <laughs> I don't want to be getting shot, neither. <laughs> Only time I can sing is when the anointing come on me, but I'm not anointed to sing. Outside that, I sound like a frog. My wife is like, oh, please save us from this minute. But you got to make your calling. One problem. Some people don't know what they call on it. That's why they can't make it sure. You have to abide in the calling that God called you. God didn't call everybody to have a 5,000 seat of church. 
because a lot of people want it. And then they mess up because they can't. They got to deal with 5,000 different people every, oh, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Tuesday. And they can't do it. And there are some people could do it with a breeze because they were called to do it. It's in their bowels to do it. Me, I could, I, I'm, I'm blessed to do Bible study. I'm blessed to be online and have live services. And, and people come. Some people come to millions, whatever. But the thing I want to bring out about that is this. I know what my calling is. I'm sure of my calling. I don't doubt my calling. My first calling is eternal life. And I got to make sure that I obtain eternal life. And it's not one day. It's one day at a time until I leave this planet. I can't live. I couldn't live right 20 years ago. And this 20 years, I don't live right. I will be lost. You have to make your callings and your election short. I know no politician that run for election that don't go out there and go to rallies and meet with people. He ain't going to win because nobody know him. Did you hear me? He ain't going to win nothing because nobody know him. It is the same thing with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say God called you to evangelize? Go evangelize. Go out on the street and evangelize. <laughs> Oh, for some people, there's no money involved in them going out on the street and evangelizing. So God didn't call me to do that. And they say, oh, God called me to be a missionary. Really? Oh, you just want to go to church and preach at the missionary? No, no, no. That's not being called a missionary. Missionary means what it says. Missionary. You out in a mission. And oh, let me, let me, let me fix that. He didn't say go to Arabia or India and Africa. He said, go to these poor places in New York City or, or where you live, in the states you live in, where everything is, where they have really poor, hungry people. They need clothes and stuff. You could go to those places and take them clothes. You could take them clothes, take them food. I was watching a food program. Uh, um, I forgot what it's called. I was watching the people come to get food. But listen to this. I drove up to it, and I just watched them. They don't know. They don't know if I was an inspector or nothing. I just sat in the car and watched. I watched all the people pull up there with their Mercedes, uh, 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 Acuras, BMWs, and load up their cars. And I just said to myself, "Where's the poor people? Where's the people with their cars pushing for looking for food?" I ain't seen none of them. I seen Mercedes, BMWs, big big uh, SUVs. <laughs> I mean, they load it up. I don't care for those type of programs, personally. The reason why I don't care for them because they waste the food. It turns me off. When there's people that really need that food, they can't get it because somebody that got six kids that can afford to take, take care of their six kids, they find out about those programs and go get all the free food that somebody that don't got no money to take care of their kids. That's what turns me off. And I've seen it happen. And then some of these places, they can't ship the food back to where they got it. They leave it out there in the spoil. I'm serious. Making our calling and election sure, as the scripture says, is very, very, very important. Making our calling and election sure before God is very important. It's not a joke. 
When you make your call on election show, you're not going to do that. I remember Brother Oliver used to tell, he told me about back in the, back in the day when uh, one of his relatives, had in-laws had a church. They would get so much for the bar cheese. They used to get bar cheese. He, he said they had to give him so much cheese and he'd fill up his trunk with tons of that cheese trying to find people to give it to. Because they would get so much. That's what I'm telling you about. Making your call on an election show what God wants you to do and be affected at, at what God called you to do. Amen. Being affected at what God called you to do so when you stand before him, he say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. I'm dead serious. This is something personal. Not just being saved. I'll tell you why, and I can prove it. There's a scripture in the Bible that says that the Lord said that the Father will look at the branches that he has that's in Christ. And if he sees those branches and trees are not fruitful, he's going to remove them. I'm dead serious. He's talking about safe folks. So you need to make your calling an election sure so you never fall. Make your calling before God and your election sure. Make sure your election of what you're doing for God is really what God say do. Because some people are doing stuff because of other people are doing it. Beloved, there's so many people on TV. Or I have, I have on, on the Daily Gospel Network channel that I'm on. Some of them don't need to be on nothing. Some of them talk so much spaced out stuff. I be scratching my head. I'm trying to, I try to get my wife says, maybe she understands. I don't know what they're talking about. Some of them. Some of them come on so scary. I mean, they in jet black in a dark place and you only see their beady eyes. I'm like, this is insane. The devil is a lie. These people don't got no calling from God. They just have the money to pay the TV station. But beloved, we really have to make our calling an election. Sure. When we go vote for somebody, we don't really check these people out, especially on a local level. We don't. We just vote for them because we want to get the other person out. We're not realizing if this person could be worse. We didn't check them out. People run for governor. People run for president. And you're listening to the stuff that they say they're going to do. And you vote for them anyway. Then you cry. He's so bad. And then somebody asks you, didn't you know he was like that? Yeah, but I voted for him anyway. I'm a Democrat, so he's a Democrat. I'm a Republican, so I'm going to vote for him. Oh, I'm going to vote for him. He's a Republican. I'm a Republican either. Eternal life don't work that way. Callings and election don't work that way. Not with God. Not with God. God called you for something. Doesn't mean Joe. I used to work with a relative of mine in the ministry, and the Lord told me to start working with him. I was so afraid to tell him that the Lord said, do not work with him, because he did something he wasn't supposed to do in a revival that we did together. I got rebuked for having him there. But I already was told of the Lord, do not work with him. He's not going the same direction you're going. Stop working with him. I love them to death. They're a relative. Love them, love them, buddy, buddy, buddy. The Lord told me to stop working with him. So 
When I got to the point to sell him, this, I'm a, I, I, the Lord told me not to work with him. That man was so mad with me. I'll never forget that he was mad too. Why are you now telling me that God told you not to work with me? I'm like, I, I, I was trying to, I was trying to help out. Why? God told you not to work with me. Why didn't you tell me after all this time? Because he knew he messed up in a revival we did. He knew. All right, I'm a, I'll be honest. I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't want to insult him. That's how some of us are. Even though God told us not to do so, but people, we're going to not tell them. We're going to do it our way. So he was mad, mad, mad with me because I told him the truth. Now, but he, what he was right about one part, I should have told him when God told me. I should have never had him do that revival with me. Never. I should have never had done that, but I did it anyway. You got to do what God tells you to do. You got to obey the voice of God when God tells you stop. When God tell you go east, go east, beloved. Don't go west. Don't go west. Don't, don't go south. Go the way God tell you to go. Obey God's word the way God's word is given to you. And grow from there. If there be one that don't know the Lord is your personal savior today. Here's an opportunity for you to give your life to the Lord. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, a Bible study. Sunday service, I give an altar call. Not to impress you, but to get you to in tune with God, to get you to give your life to the Lord and let him do something for you. So if anybody here that would like to receive the Lord your personal Savior, of course I can't see you raise your hand, but you can bow your head with me as we pray. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. You're going to pray along with me and accept Christ as your personal Savior. Let's go. Bow your head. Now repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I ask you, to forgive me of all my sin. I ask you to come into my heart to be my Lord and my personal savior. I ask you to save me right now and keep me from falling from grace. Cover me with your blood, your precious blood. I ask you to help me make my elect calling and election sure before you in Jesus name, amen. Now listen. Go to the website, the Tabernacle Delivered, inc.org, and you can leave a prayer request, and you can, uh, you can also leave a testimony or become a partner with the Tabernacle Deliverance Ministry. Let the Lord do something for you. Remember, you don't never have to fall from grace. Obey God and receive the blessings he has for you. I'll see you Wednesday. God bless you.